Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Bible study program entitled D6. The title D6 refers to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which teaches us how to teach our children and grandchildren about God and what he means to us. I appreciate the study we are engaged in because each week we are focusing on small portions of the Bible, gaining perspective on how God uh, always delivers on his promises looking for gems of spiritual truths and insights so we can build up our faith in Him and better serve Him. I'm Mike Anderson, and today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 37 in its entirety, and then chapter 39 verses 1 through 5, which gives us some of the story of Joseph. This lesson is entitled, All Part of the Plan. God's plan, that is. The story of Joseph sets the stage for how, through God's great providence, he continues to deliver on his promises to Abraham. Further, God has made promises to those of us who are in Christ, and this story serves to help us to have faith that God always delivers on his promises. Always. However difficult, God does find away. Further, these events we are studying about are more than just historical events to be read about in our Bibles. They are part of our own spiritual history, and they need to become part of the fabric of our lives. They help us build up our faith, and as such are influencing factors in how we make decisions. We don't just learn the Bible, but along with that we learn from the Bible. In the passages for today, we see a broken family's jealousies and how God uses them for his own purpose. We see that God sends Joseph on a very strange, stretching and dangerous, shall we say, assignment to Egypt. But Joseph is not alone, for God is with him, just as he is with us always. And finally, we see that that God's outcome is marvelous and beyond anything that Joseph and his family could ever imagine. Let's go ahead and read, start reading in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah, and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, as an aside, he's 17, and, and I think that really does set the perspective on the story. And he's, he tells, he tattles, so to speak, on the sons of the two of, Joseph, of, of Jacob's wives, and these happen to be both handmaidens of J, Joseph's first-class wives. So it's a very complicated situation. Picking it up in verse 3. Now Joseph, excuse me, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made a richly ornamented robe for him, and when his brothers saw their, how their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not even speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him all the more. 
And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We are binding sheaves of grain in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright and your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come to bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, we have a family here with two first-class wives and, then, and, and two second-class wives. And there are 13 children in all, including Dinah, uh, the only sister. This makes a very complicated family. And then add favoritism to the mix, and it really intensifies the family dynamics. Consider, all of his brothers are older than Joseph, at least the ones they're here. And Joseph is the favorite, the son, the first son of his favorite wife. Dad treats Joseph special, the ornamented robe. And this situation is loaded for trouble, and then Joseph tells them of his dreams, which only serves as a lighted fuse to set things off. Let's pick it up in verse 12 of chapter 37. Now his brothers had gone to gaze, graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Joseph, um, and Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are gazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he, so he said to him, go see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. So he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Jotham. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to escape him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to their father. And aside, you know, Reuben is the oldest, and that's his responsibility to make sure things like this don't happen. Verse 23. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. 
And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So Judah, Judah said to his brothers, What shall we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to to the Ishmaelites, and he took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't here. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. And they took the ornamented robe back to his father and said, We found this. Examine it and see if it is your father's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my father's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him, and Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave of my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to e- in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. We're going to skip chapter 38, which is another story that focuses on Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar. So let's move ahead to chapter 39, the first five verses. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of his own, the Lord blessed in the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Now, the story continues beyond chapter 5. Things are sounding really good for Joseph, but Mrs. Potiphar pressures Joseph to sleep with her. And in a situation where she's kind of trapped him in the house alone, he flees from the house and winds up back in jail after she accuses him of a harassment. The Bible says that Potiphar burned with anger after hearing the story. But it doesn't say who Potiphar is angry with. It may be that he understands his wife better than she thinks, and he realizes she is to blame, and he puts and he saves his he saves face by putting Joseph in jail. If that isn't the truth, then it is strange that Potiphar didn't simply have Joseph killed for trying to molest his wife. After all, Joseph as a slave is simply property, and he can do with him as he wants. Um, and then. And Joseph realizes that uh, to sin 
You know, one of the other aspects of this is that Joseph realizes that the sin is, first of all, a sin against God. And he actually tells uh, Mrs. Potiphar this when she uh, um, tempts him. <clears throat> Later, Joseph, through a series of events, interprets Pharaoh's dreams and goes on to become second in command of Egypt. God's providence brings this about, which enables Joseph to save his family from a severe famine and which then allows God to eventually fulfill some promises he made to Abraham. Genesis 15 and 13, it says, Then the Lord said to him, that is Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. Skipping ahead to verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Then God goes ahead and, and, and uh, delivers on the promised land. God made promises to Abraham, some of which are fulfilled many centuries later. Again, recapping, we see a broken family's jealousy and how God uses them for his own purposes. We see that God sends Joseph on a very strange, stretching, and dangerous assignment. But Joseph is not alone, for God is with him, just as he is always with us. And finally, we see that God's outcome is marvelous, beyond anything that Joseph and his family could ever have imagined. These events that we study are more than historical events to be read about in our Bibles. They're part of our own history, part of the fabric of our lives, and as such must be influencing factors in how we lead our lives. The Bible is not just a history book, but a book designed by God to help us live for him. We don't just learn the Bible, but along with that, we are to learn from the Bible. Thank you for listening. Um, next week, we'll pick up the story in chapter 45 of Genesis. Please, please read the rest of 39 as well, and chapters 40 through 45 to be prepared for next week's lesson. God bless you, and thanks for being a part of this.